Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Runner's World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. Today we're speaking with Henriette Alban, who recently completed the midwinter Bob Graham round in record time. So lots of you will be familiar with the Bob Graham round, but it's a kind of classic um, uh, English round in the Lake District. Uh, very, very difficult to do in any weather, but Henriette did it um, in December, uh, sort of contending with snow and wind and ice, and she did it faster than any man or woman. So it's an amazing feat, and she comes on and talks a little bit about the round itself, but also, um, which I think will be useful for a lot of people listening, just how to train for a really hilly event such as this or hilly challenge uh so yeah worth listening to um i think we've got to start unfortunately with just some tragic news from from the running world which is the death of kelvin kipton the world's fastest marathoner he died on sunday evening uh, the 11th of february um in a car accident uh, alongside his coach and obviously yeah it's amazingly sad he's only 24 years old seemingly destined to be the first man to complete uh, a sub two marathon in in race conditions and that's something he was looking to do in Rotterdam in April and um yeah our thoughts were obviously just with with his family and and his friends that yeah on this really really tragic news so yeah sorry a little a sad a sad note to to start the podcast on but I think appropriate that we do so um we've had a letter in actually from uh, a listener called Patrick Arminio and he said he'd like to hear an episode with tips about training for an uphill marathon um last year I tried this one which is the Jungfrau marathon which is one of the hardest marathons in the world essentially it kind of starts off flat and then just goes up for about 13 miles ends up a mountain in in switzerland i believe um wants to try it again next year so eager for some tips well i think henriette does talk a little bit about how to train for uphill marathons um and we are going to do a treadmill special and the reason i mention that is because i think some of the solution for you patrick is going to lie in the treadmill unless you happen to live in in the mountains or a very hilly area because i think the kind of specificity that you can get on a treadmill if you just angle it to say 15 or 20 percent is, is something that's quite hard to replicate um if you live on kind of a relatively flat um city so some of the answers probably gonna uh gonna be there and i think henriette's gonna touch a little bit on that um on that as well in terms of how to do it from an outside perspective so hopefully that will be of use um but you can let us know uh yeah Please, if anyone else has got a letter that they want to write in, it's always great to, to hear from listeners. And we do try to incorporate suggestions for episodes. So if there's something that we haven't covered that you think would be really useful, then please let us know. That's podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. Um, all right, let's 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 bring on our guest of the week. Guest of the week. Here in the studio. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete. Could be a physio. Or a complete unknown. 
right well cast your mind back to december what did you get up to over christmas drink a bit of wine eat a bit of turkey <laughs> perhaps you even go out on a few runs you dedicated devil you <laughs> well our next guest ran the bob graham round in the lake district and not only that she ran it quicker than any man or woman in history wow and now holds the, uh, the record for the fastest midwinter round outright, 17 hours and 55 minutes. Um, here to tell us a little bit more about the hows and whys of this incredible feat, it's Henriette Alba. Welcome to the Runners World podcast. Thank you very much. That was quite the intro there. <laughs> yeah, we're working on it. It's like a kind of desert. It's like the desert island disc, isn't it? Yeah, right. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, um, for those who, who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about your running history. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm, uh, oh, I just turned 33, actually, and Congrats. I've been dabbling in the trailing scene for a good, like, thanks, <laughs> for a good, like, 10, 15 years now, I think. Uh, sort of just started off as a fun hobby, easy way to get out, get stay fit and sort of train. And uh, since COVID, really, it's just um, been more of it. And I've trained more than ever. And uh, yeah, done some international races, got some decent results, got some sponsors, uh, so it's sort of what I do now. <laughs> amazing, amazing, yeah. I love that sort of. I mean, as it, a silver lining of lockdown, the sort of the stories of those people who found running and, and really like lent into it and have now like made it. I mean, part of their lives for those general bods, and then for, for the people who've made it into a career, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? I know compared to our lockdown story, Ben. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very limited. Very limited. Um, so, what attracted you then to? the Bob Graham round obviously it's 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 big news in the fell running community but you're you're based in in Norway aren't you so is it is it does it have a kind of international um appeal as well do you think I'd say it certainly does um I'm Norwegian I'm based in Norway I'm married to John Alban who's English and I also studied at Bath University and lived in the UK for four years so I've certainly got a connection to the UK and sort of fell running scene out there as well uh, but our neighbor Killian Jornet he um, had a who? crack at the Bob Graham. Oh, yeah. Oh, that guy. Oh, all right. Yeah. That guy. Yeah, the guy yeah. who runs up mountains oh, quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the Everest guy. Yeah. yeah. And everything else. The yeah, 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 guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does that too. Yeah. Yeah. No, he lives in the same area and he had a crack at the summer round a couple of years ago. And um, yeah, I mean, I've just been in awe at Beth Pascal and Jasmine Perez's times on the summer round as well. So it's always just been on my radar. And uh, I've done quite a trail races well, for the past 10 years, really. And I was sort of about to end my trail running season in 2023. Uh, and then I thought to myself, Oof, I want to do one more thing, be it a race or a personal project or something. Um, and then I thought back to what, what trail running, you know, things have really excited me in the past couple of years, what have I really enjoyed. And I realized it wasn't actually necessarily the races um, it was actually more the sort of FKT personal projects, go out, have an adventure um, and experience something a bit more unique. So then I started considering different sort of routes that I could do. And it turned out that we were going to the UK to see John's family um, the week prior to the 19th of December when I decided to do the Bob Graham round. Mm. Uh, it sort of just worked out timing wise as well. That's amazing. Um, and then I realized there's such a thing as a midwinter round starting on the 18th. <laughs> so the timing's just lined up perfectly. And I thought, you know what? I'm really excited about doing doing this. It gets me super fired up. I'm going to go for it and have a crack at the midwinter Bob yeah. Graham Amazing. Round. Amazing. <laughs> I, I kind of like, 
I like the the spontaneity to this attempt. Like I feel like there's, I mean, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like you, you had an idea of what it was that you wanted to do, but it was kind of like picking and choosing and the time of the year just that meant that this was the one that came there. How how spontaneous how spontaneous was it? Have you do you know the round? Have you wrecked some of it? Like how, were you going in completely like blind with a guide? Like how did you sort of work out how to approach it? Um, yeah, so I was sort of looking at things to do end of October, and I think it was very early in November that I decided to do it to do the midwinter round sort of mid-December. So yeah, it was a, you know, six weeks before I sort of went, right, I'm going to do this. (laughs) So definitely quite uh, spontaneous for sure. Um, I then contacted some people that I knew in the lakes and quickly understood that this isn't something you just rock up to sort of have a go at. Uh, You need to do the wrecking. You need to get get to know the locals. You need all the paces to help you on the day itself as well. Um, so I actually ended up um, sort of just traveling out there mid-November, doing a recce of route, meeting up with um, some runners and some people who'd be willing to support me on the day. And as it turned out, that was invaluable, super important for the actual attempt itself. And I think if I hadn't done that, I, I wouldn't have set the time I did in the end. Mm. What was it, What were the conditions like? I mean, I've I've walked in the lakes, done some running, but only in the summer months and it can get pretty wild even then kind of july august like what what kind of weather did you you have to kind of contend with in mid-december yeah so i mean going into the attempt i was ready for anything i was ready for sort of you know minus degrees snow on a frost or just like rain wet sloppy conditions uh it turned out that i got the rain in the end uh, and the wind. So yeah, it was a very wet and windy affair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've never spent such a long time in bad weather in the mountains. <laughs> wow. to be fair. It, it was it was the wind that got to me the most in the end. Uh, I just felt like I was constantly being blown over. And at, at one point, uh, me and my crew were being blown <laughs> over. So I did get quite worried about the whole situation at that point. But uh, yeah, no, we, we definitely had some weather, but it wasn't very, it wasn't super cold. It wasn't snowy, but I was wearing two jackets for pretty much the entire attempt. So it was chilly. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting though, because it's sort of, it really, it, it leaves a little door open to be like, well, if the weather had been less windy, but that sort of looked more sort of warmer, like, fuck, could it have been faster? Do you think like, did, did you finish and go like, oh, there's, you know, that element is, because wind is absolutely like, if you're into a block headwind for like half of that whole thing, you're like, that's hours. Like, could you like, could you suddenly be like, wow, that was amazing and what a great time, but it was windy. What happens if it wasn't windy? Like, does, has, that, has that been a thought process? Um, definitely. But I do feel like when you attempt a midwinter round or a winter round, <clears throat> it's not so much about necessarily setting the fastest possible right. time that you can. Uh, it's more about getting around in one piece and sort <laughs> yeah. of surviving the adventure. Um, but I'm very keen on having a crack one day on the summer round because right. I think there you're looking at dry conditions underfoot no wind more daylight for sure yeah. uh, and that's more of a really try and set a proper proper fast time wow um, so yeah i'll be i'll be hopefully coming back in 2025 to attempt the sub round as well because oh, i do feel like i i want to see how 
fast I can go. Uh, but I was very pleased with my time for the mid-winter round. Yes, incredible. And there's definitely room to shave time off because it's such a conditions game. If you have, you know, no wind, yeah. no rain, it's dry underfoot and great. It's uh, where you are in Norway. Is there, is there an equivalent kind of race? Is, I'm just sort of interested in terms of like, where you're racing at home is there are there rounds or an equivalent courses that you have eyed up in terms of like that we wouldn't know about because we can talk about bob graham and know all about it but you'll be like oh there's something equally as challenging here that we you know that people should try you can definitely get equally challenging routes i think what's very unique about the bob graham round is that it's got all the history and the sort of mythical thing that surrounds it so that's one of the reasons I was so attracted to the Bob Graham round. It wasn't just another FKT or another round in the middle of sort of nowhere. Yeah. It's this really unique, special thing with all this history that surrounds it. I mean, it dates back to 1932 when Bob Graham first set the yeah. sort of route. Um, so, yeah, you can definitely get equally challenging things in other places. But I think the Bob Graham is more than just sort of a you know a time and a place a yeah, yeah yeah this is the runner's world podcast hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when i travel i'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when i'm not at home and one of the things i love to do when i am at home is entertain and airbnb allows me to do that when i was in california recently i rented a house that had a great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home but you're not always at home you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Let's talk about... um training then i'm going to say that most of our listeners are probably never going to do a midwinter bob graham you can email in and let me know about five <laughs> yeah, true. if i'm doing a disservice there um i'm including myself um but if you want to train for let's say something that's really hilly um a really hilly race what are some of the things that you would recommend people um do i think the most important thing when you're faced with a lot of hills in a race is to get your legs resilient and used to sort of moving both up but also very importantly downhill Mm. Uh, because when I did the Bob Graham for example I didn't mind the uphills they're comfortable on your legs it's run downhill that can really you know sort of screw with your knees (laughs) and your ligaments and your quads and what Um, so it's really important to incorporate that aspect in training Uh, just like you do uphill intervals you can 
or downhilling tools to get your legs more resilient and fatigue resistant in a way to the downhills. Um, I err on the side of caution. You don't want to blast downhill full pelt for, you know, 20 minutes nonstop. You want to eat in sometimes one, two minutes at sort of 80% of max is sort of good enough. Do it two or three times before your race and you're going to get a lot of bang for your buck. That's, That's good. good. That is good, isn't it? I always, everyone always considers the up, mm. but the down is the bit that really gets you. It, gets it certainly gets me. Last time I did a trail race, it was the down that really got me. That was, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, you, you live in a, in, a, in a pretty hilly area, Henry, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, but what about if someone, say someone who doesn't have access to like really long inclines or de- or, or descents, is, is there a way of trying to get that kind of, that training in if, if you live, say, in, in a city, do you think? So if I lived in London, for example, which I did do back in the day, um, first of all, you can actually, if you look around, you can find smaller hills most places. So first off, check around because you'll be surprised what you can find. Um, but do that. If you cannot find hills, I recommend jumping on an incline treadmill to do uphill intervals. Mm. And what I would then, then try is maybe every other weekend or at least a couple of times before your race, travel slightly out of where you live to get some natural hills to train on. It's definitely worth doing it because you're just going to have a much better time come race. Um, so I would I would try and incorporate some natural hills because otherwise you're in for a, a shock for a long day. <laughs> a long day, yeah. <laughs> I've been there. I didn't sign up for this. Um, are you are you a, a, a gym goer? Do you find are you a sort of a, a strict strength and conditioning kind of uh, runner, or, or do you let the sort of natural environment hone your skills? I'd say I'm actually a gym goer. I do go to the gym twice a week to do sort of upper body strength and maintain muscle mass. Yeah. Um, and I quite enjoy that. Yeah. But I do spend a fair amount of time in the mountains as well. So, yeah, a bit of both. That's good. Are you, because um, I know a lot of people who are very good trail runners and are in the kind of environment you are, they'll, they'll do a lot of skiing in the winter. Is that something that you and, that you and John do or is it... Or you just try and keep it as specific as possible and all your kind of long outings are actually running based? I just came in from a four-hour ski. There we go. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Yeah, no, we do do a lot of um, uh, ski mountaineering in the winter, <clears throat> partly because we think that if you run too much over a long, long time, you're just grinding your body down. So we like to give our bodies a bit of a rest, cross-train, be it biking or ski mountaineering. And just finds that it sort of resets the body in a nice way so that we're able to push a bit harder when it does sort of come running season again. So you, so you might do like the equivalent of like a long run on a bike, for instance. Do you think, would you, is that something you think people can potentially swap in, swap out if they're, if they're feeling the kind of grind of lots of running? Yeah, for sure. So like in the winter, biking or yeah, ski mountaineering, uh, we sort of do our long sessions on that. The closer we get to the spring, um, we might incorporate some brick sessions where we like go out on the bike to get a bit tired first and then we sort of finish off with just like an hour run, for example. That's a really great way of sort of getting that endurance aspect into your training without getting all that pounding. Uh, but when you are sort of eight weeks out from your race, you want to gradually build up those long runs because at the end of the day, 
your legs just need to get used to running for a long duration, especially if you're doing an ultra race, for example. Yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. I wish I wish I could go skiing. I feel like that would be that <laughs> we haven't quite got the weather here. I feel that would be a good non-impact, but like really hard cardio kind of stuff that it really like makes a difference. You get a lot of um, ultra runners and like pro tour cyclists, like they especially the French guys. They love a bit of skiing in the off season to keep that the engine really strong. Yeah. I think we're missing a trick here, right? You're right. I'm interested in, in your, when you go to the gym. Are you doing um, just upper body, or are you doing some of the classic lower body? strength work as well i do focus on the upper body but i'll incorporate some legs towards the end of the session normally just like two or three exercises i find is enough because especially with the skiing and cycling on the side i do get a lot of strength through that as well yeah uh, but i'll do like a squat a hip thrust um leg curls that sort of thing nice and in terms of what else have you got planned for 2024? Obviously, mm. 2023 ended on like an amazing note. What's the what are some of the goals that you'd like to achieve this year? Yeah, I had to have a good think about it because I was a bit lost, to be fair, after doing the Bob Brain. Mm. But you got to enter all your races now, essentially, because entries run out. <laughs> um, but I decided I want to head back to the UK, so I'll be going for Snowdonia 50k by UTMB yeah. mid-May. Uh, so I'll be doing some of those brick sessions come March, April for sure. <laughs> Excellent. Have you got your eye on any, now that you've you know you've you've taken on this round and you've got all these other possible classic fabled routes that you could attempt? Is that now? Do you think? Do you, do you not want to let that dominate too much, like how your year is going to progress, or do you now see that like as a nice like the Ramsey of, or something? Yeah, yeah. Or do you, you like is the end of the year sort of like well, if I could do the Ramsey or I could do the something, you know, like three peaks or I don't know, like some sort of sun thing that you can kind of aim towards the end of the year just for fun. Yeah, so I definitely get a lot of enjoyment out of doing these personal projects off my own back. Mm. Uh, so I will aim to incorporate another sort of project come October, November, December time in 2024. Um, whether it's another UK-based one or whether I look to other destinations as well, I haven't quite decided. Um, but yeah, I will for sure be incorporating that as well because I think, well, at least with myself, I can get a bit too bogged down in the sort of racing world. Yeah. And races are great and they're super challenging in their own way, but there's something very special and unique about just going out into the mountains off your own initiative as well and having that adventure. Yeah, and I think that that's a lot of, I think that's probably the most relatable thing that our listeners will have is that mo a lot of their running will be for that personal that personal gain. I mean, obviously there's a lot of race focused stuff that takes place, but personally speaking, like I love going off for just a run in the outside for the sake of it and for it to be fun and to get satisfaction from the environment that I'm in. So I go out in the forest and, you know, and spend some time there and feel much better. So I come back. So it's, it's really nice to hear that, you know, the combination of both is very much part and part of your enjoyment of running racing and also having that personal enjoyment. Yeah, definitely. Hey Mitch, thanks so much for your time and coming on the podcast. If people want to find out more about your running, uh, your racing and running adventures, you're online, aren't you? Where, where could people go? Instagram is probably where I update the most and sort of keep my followers updated on race plans and personal projects and training. Um, I also have an app called Alban App with my husband, John Alban, which is like a training platform. So you can check that out as well. 
Uh, and like the majority of runners, I'm on Strava. So. There we <laughs> go. Hey, we had a runner mm. on who used the app. Oh, um, the Alban app is meant to be absolutely amazing, yeah. We had a pro on who was who'd just done something fantastic who'd used the app. So there we go. Uh, I can't remember, but there you go. <laughs> there, there. But it was either, yeah. But we have to go back for Was it Elsie? It might have been Elsie Davis, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There we go. She's a good yeah. runner and she's, she's using done the right. app. So, that's, so there you go. <laughs> she's, she's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, great. Hey, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, for, thanks for your time. Best of luck with all your, your running in, uh, in 2024. And congratulations on the record for the, uh, the midwinter Bob Graham round. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks very much. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. A huge thanks to our guest, Henriette Alban, and to you, of course, for listening. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.